You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right. Well, good morning once again, Radiant Church. Thank you so much for being here. And for those of you who are watching online, make sure you like it, comment, and share this live stream with other people on your newsfeed. Hey, um, this morning, let me just start off quickly with saying thank you. Thank you to all of you for last week, the just acknowledgement, the, the gift of pastor appreciation. Man, I am so thankful and grateful for all of you guys. Can I just clap our hands? Let's clap it for you guys this morning. So grateful. And let me just say, it is an honor and a privilege to lead Radiant Church, you guys. I'm so humbled, uh, this opportunity that God gave me. And you know what's so cool? You know what's so rewarding? It is so rewarding to see so many of you use your God-given gifts and talents to honor and make much of Jesus. And uh, one of the other things that I love about being the pastor of Radiant Church is that I get a front row seat at what God is doing in this local body, in and through people's lives, and he's doing some really, really cool things. So once again, thank you, my wife and I, from the bottom of our hearts. We're humbled, we're honored, and it is a privilege to serve you here at Radiant Church. And so let me say one more quick thing on a different note. This Wednesday night, mark your calendars, is our first night of our Seek and Worship and Prayer. It's one hour from 630 to 7.30, it's a bit more stripped back, but I want you to be here. I want you to begin to prioritize prayer and worship in your life and be here. Bring your Bibles, bring your journals so you can journal out prayers. You can read scripture with us. I'll be here. I'll be leading prayers, reading from scripture, reading scripture over you, praying through scripture. Some of our musicians will, will pray or sing out some of the prayers, scripture. So listen, this is a time that we're just going to immerse ourselves in prayer and worship, and I would love for you to be here. I understand that weeknights can be difficult for some of you, but it's one hour. You can just scoot right on out of here once that hour is over. I understand you got to get home to your families and whatnot, but anyways, it's going to be a great night, and I would love to see as many of you as possible here that evening. Well, this morning, I'm, I'm pretty pumped because we are beginning a brand new, uh, brand new message series in the book of Acts entitled The Spirit-Empowered Church. And we are going to be in this series, you guys, for a while, for, 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 for a long haul here. We're going to be in this series for about anywhere from 12 to 15 weeks. I'm not quite sure how long exactly just yet. But we're going to go through this series. We're going to get up to Christmas. All right, here's the plan. We're going to get up to Christmas. We're going to take a couple weeks off for Christmas. We'll have some Christmassy sermons because I know everybody loves that, right? After the new year, we're going to do our annual Seek series. That's a, that's a series that is focused in on prayer and worship. That's three or four weeks. Late January, we'll jump back into Acts and probably go to about Easter, give or take one or two weeks. I love this because this gives me a, a, a chance, an opportunity to go sort of longer and deeper into one of the books of the Bible and uh, this is just going to be incredible. In this series, we're going to examine the early church, the early church, the church in motion, the spirit-empowered church. And, and one of the things 
that we're going to discover along the way as we look at the early church. One of the things that we will see is we will see that at times things went miraculously well, like miraculously well, like signs and wonders. God did amazing things. But at other times, it didn't go so well. At other times, it, it was a bit messy, and there was conflict, and, and people's feelings were hurt. But through all of it, what we're going to notice, what we're going to see is the faithfulness of God to his church. Let me just say this this morning to you, all of you. God is faithful to his church. Amen? Somebody? God is faithful to his church. No matter what's happening in the world around us, no matter how, no matter who is president, okay, no matter how terrible the economy is, no matter how much nobody wants to work, it seems like right now, no matter whatever the situation is, God is faithful to his church. And I, I want you to see that our story or, or, or our church is really connected to what God started some 2,000 years ago, you guys. 2,000 years ago, this is a continuation of what God originally started. And in this day and age where I think that everything that can be shaken is being shaken, my prayer is that this series, in this series, you will be encouraged, you will uh, be filled with hope no matter what you go through, no matter what the church faces in the near future. And so this morning, I, I want you, as, as we read these stories in, in the book of Acts, here's what I want you to think. These stories are not just ancient stories. They are, of course. They're not just ancient stories. Now, I know that we live in a very, very, very different time right now. But these stories are actually our stories. This is our heritage. This is our story. We share in this. And, and really, my passion and my hope in this series is threefold, okay? Threefold. Let me just share my heart with you. Let me put all the cards on the table so to speak so you know my prayer. And I, and, and I hope that you'll join with my prayer, that your, my prayer will be your prayer. But I have three prayers or three hopes for us in this series. Number one, number one is this. My prayer is that, that God will reignite a passion in your hearts for the local church, for the church. I, I pray that he will reignite a passion in your heart for the local gathering of saints. Number two, this is my second prayer. My prayer is that we will become a people who are more reliant on the Holy Spirit the presence and the power of God with us. We need the Holy Spirit more than ever today. I pray that we will become more reliant. Number three, my prayer is this. My prayer is that we will learn how to continue and persevere as the church today in this day and age. Because if you think things are going to get easier, you're terribly mistaken. My prayer is that we'll learn how to have some thick skin, how to get a bit tough, how to endure, how to persevere right now, today, in the day and age that God has called us to. And I hope that will be your prayer as well. So without further ado, let's dive in. We're going to, in just a moment, we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, and we're going to hang out in the first 
11 verses today of Acts chapter 1. In this series, let me just say this, it might, it might not be verse by verse. We might not hit every single verse, but we're going to capture a lot of the big stories in the book of Acts, and we're going to capture the first 11 verses this morning. Here's what Luke writes in Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. In my former book, Theophilus, so Luke is writing to a, to a man named Theophilus. We'll talk about him in a moment. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Jesus giving this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized, literally immersed is the word there, John baptized with water. But in a few days, you, the disciples, will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, again, immersed in the Spirit of God. And when they gathered around and asked him, Lord, are, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Because, listen, the Jews in that day, they expected a great political leader. They expected that a leader would come in and he would overthrow Roman oppression at that time and set the kingdom up there, right there on the earth in that day and age, and that the Jews would rule and reign with Jesus in that very time. However, Jesus' response to these disciples is, is very different than what they had predicted or expected. Verse number seven, Jesus, he said to them, it's not for you to know the, the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you, you all, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. It's local. All Judea spreads out a bit more, and Samaria, it's a bit further out. And then what? To the ends of the earth. You're Witnesses, you'll testify, in other words. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. This is crazy. Two guys in white just all of a sudden appear, right? Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. In other words, let me just say this, church, Jesus is returning. He's going to come back. He's going to return the same way that he went up. He's going to break through the clouds and the sky. The trumpet sound will blast, and we will see our Savior riding on that horse. Oh, what a glorious day it will be. Amen? take a few moments. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the rest of this message. God, we love you, and we're, we're so grateful again for your presence. Lord, move and work in our hearts. Spirit, you have the room. It's yours. It doesn't belong to me. It's yours, so do what you want to do, Holy Spirit, and let me know. Tell me, God, what, you, it, what it is that you want to accomplish today, God, and let me get out of the way, God. Unlock deaf ears and open blind eyes. God, bring hope and encouragement to those who need it. Lord, bring healing to those who may need it in their bodies, Lord. I know some who are, who are fighting things right now, God. 
be very apparent, God, to them, Lord, specifically this morning. Let them know that you're with them, that you're for them, that you have not stopped fighting for them, God. You never will. God, encourage our hearts, and God, and give us the courage to obey what we see and read in this text this morning. Reignite a passion in us for your church. That's our prayer, God. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, let me begin by just saying that Acts, of course, is written by a man named Luke. And the reason why you recognize that name Luke is because Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke. There's Matthew, there's Mark, and there's Luke. Now, the book of Acts is meant to be or intended to be volume number two of a two-volume set. The volume number one is Luke. Volume number two is, of course, Acts. Those two books sort of go together. They have the same writer or author. And so what we see is that in the book of Luke or the gospel of Luke, I mean, Luke says it himself that in Luke, he, he tells us about the, the things that, he be, that Jesus began to do and to teach. And the implication is that the book of Acts is the, the, the second volume of what God or what Jesus is continuing to do through his church by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It's volume number two. They, they go together. And did you notice that Luke is writing to, he's writing to this man named Theophilus, and we'll, we'll talk about him in just a moment, but some people think that Luke was an apostle, but he wasn't. Luke was not an apostle. He was actually a physician. He was a, he was a doctor. He was a bit of a historian. And so he writes to Theophilus, and Theophilus, that name literally means a lover of God or friend of God. And we don't know a whole lot about Theophilus, but some people speculate that maybe he was a member of the high class in Roman society. We know that he was a, a Gentile. And some people, again, believe, some scholars believe that he was a sponsor Okay. In other words, he paid for the research for the work that Luke was gathering so that, again, he could give Theophilus an accurate account of the life and the work of Jesus. And Luke writes, and Luke writes in Acts chapter 1 that after the resurrection that Jesus appeared to his disciples for over 40 days, and there was one time where they were hanging out, they were having a fish fry, and Jesus tells his disciples, listen, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. He gives them a command. Don't leave the hub. Don't go out and start ministry. Don't go out and start preaching right away. Hold on. Stay in the hub. And I want you to wait for the promise that my Father has promised you. And that is what? The gift. Who? I should say rather. The gift of the Holy Spirit. In this series, we're going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. So this morning, I'm not actually going to talk about it a whole I'm not going to talk about him a whole lot, because we'll get there, I promise you. But what I want us to notice is there's something else going on in the first 11 verses that is truly and really significant. In fact, it's an event that I think a lot of Christians sort of glance over, like we don't pay attention to it. In fact, I think, I believe that the reason why we, we just glance over it is because we don't understand the implications or the significance of this event. Rightly so, what do we focus on? Normally, we focus on the death of Jesus, right? Amen? That we, we talk about that often. We focus on the resurrection of Jesus. Rightly so. We celebrate 
his victory over death, hell, and the grave. And yes and amen for all those things. We should emphasize that and we should celebrate that. But there's this event happening here in the first 11 verses that doesn't get much press time. In fact, I never paid much attention to it, can I be honest? (laughs) Until today, until this week, until I was sort of preparing for this message. What is the event I'm talking about? I know you want to know. The event I'm talking about is the ascension. The ascension of Jesus into heaven. Now, at first glance, it just seems like this like this passing detail that I think most of us don't pay much attention to. What does it mean to ascend? Some of you may be familiar with the Netflix series, The Crown. I just started watching it myself. It's actually the story of Queen Elizabeth II and her sort of rule and reign. And by the way, she's been queen since 1952. I just learned this this week. Longest reigning monarch in British history. And that means that some, that means that somewhere in England, there's probably a physical throne that you could literally ascend to. If you could get past security, you, you might go up a few steps and you could sit on a literal physical chair or a throne. Now, it probably would only be after a few seconds because security would take you out, okay? <laughs> but you might be able to sit on the throne just for a few seconds. You could literally ascend to the throne of the king or the queen of England. But that's not what these verses are talking about here, actually. They're, they're, they're talking about something else. Now, I'll get there. Because just because... There's more to the story. Just because you sat on the throne, it would not automatically make you the king or the queen of England. There's something more happening here that I want you to see. To ascend to the throne means to change the nature of your relationship to the rest of the people or the rest of the community. And I'll explain more, I promise. Let me... Let me bring this back down just a bit for us so we can understand further. In the not-too-distant future, we we know it's not too distant because she's she's getting older, obviously, Queen Elizabeth. In the not-too-distant future, Queen Elizabeth will pass on, right? She will die, and guess what? Prince Charles, the Prince of Wales, will ascend to the throne of England. He will be the new king, and that means... That the nature of his relationship to the citizens of England will change. He will no longer be the prince. He will be their king. Now let me put this in an American setting so I can make this a bit more real. Let's think of the courtroom in America. A judge walks into the courtroom and what do they say? All rise. Everybody rises to their feet, right, in honor, in respect, that judge, he will walk up, what, to a throne, right, to to a seat. He will ascend to the throne. Everyone sits down, and when he or she sits down, what are they doing? Well, the nature of their relationship is changing in that room, because all of a sudden, when he sits down, 
He is the judge now. That means this, that he takes on an authority that he did not have just a few moments ago. His word now matters more than anyone else's word in that room. In fact, the judge has authority and power over your life and over your future. When he sits on that chair, there is authority that comes with the seating of that chair. In John chapter 16, Jesus told his disciples, it's better that I go. Certainly that was difficult for them to hear in that day and age. Jesus, I want you to be here. But why does Jesus say that? Jesus knows that the nature of his relationship to humanity will change. It will change. Let me put it like this. When Jesus was on the earth, he was a man. We know that, right? He was also confined to space and time. That means this. If you wanted to get to Jesus, you had to physically get to Jesus. You had to be in his presence. You had to be in Israel. You had to be a part of his teaching. You wanted people or you wanted Jesus to lay hands on you so you could be healed, right? And that's what we see in the New Testament, don't we? We see countless stories of people wanting or fighting to get in the presence of Jesus because there's power in his presence. I think of the, 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 the woman with the issue of blood. Anybody remember that story? I think it's in John's gospel. Remember, she gets into his presence and she just wants to touch the what? The hem of his garment because she knows if she can touch Jesus's garment, she will be healed. She wants to be in the presence of God. But what if you don't live in Israel at that time? What if you didn't live in Israel at that time? What if you lived in China, okay? What if you lived in Russia? What if you lived in India? What if you could not physically get to Israel, right? What happens, right? What about the people who couldn't get to Jesus? You see, when Jesus ascends to the throne, he's taking on a new relationship to Humanity. What does that mean? That means this. That means this. It means that you and I, people living in Bay City, Michigan today, right now, have access to Jesus. We have access to his presence. We have access to his healing power. We have access to him. It means this, that you can call upon the name of the Lord and you can be saved right here, right now. You can, you can call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. It means this, that you can cry out to God and he will hear you. It means that you can pray right now and God will answer your prayer. It means this, you can be anywhere and you have access to the power and the presence of God. And you don't even have to be in a physical building or a church. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Right? You, 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 a person, can be in the middle of the park and give his life to Jesus in the middle of a park somewhere in, in the middle of the world. He, doesn't, he or she doesn't have to be in the middle of a church, in the physical church. Remember, remember we used to meet in an elementary school, right? We met in an elementary school, and guess what? We had access to God the same way that we have access to him right now. We saw countless amounts of people experience the presence of Jesus in a school gymnasium. Why? Because the nature of Jesus' relationship to humanity changed when he ascended. What starts off as this local ministry where you had to be in Jesus' presence, where you had to, to be there listening to his sermons, has now turned into what? A global ministry. 
Jesus becomes, he is the king, the rightful king of the universe. And now, listen, we all have access to him anytime, any place, anywhere, any condition. You and I have access to him. If Jesus doesn't ascend into heaven, you and I can't get to him. If he doesn't ascend to heaven, you and I can't get to him. This is why Christians have no Mecca. Right? We don't have a Mecca. We don't have a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. We don't have to make pilgrimage to Jerusalem as if the presence of God is stronger there than it is here. My wife and I, most of you know this, we've been to Jerusalem, and it was incredible, and we'd love to go back, honestly, and I want to take some of you with us when we go again, okay? But guess what? It's not mandatory. It doesn't make you less of a Christian if you can't get to Jerusalem why? Because you have access to God right here and right now. You can encounter God crazy in little old Bay City. Who would have thunk it in Bay City of all the places? I know, some people think this is a God-forsaken town. But you can access the presence of God here in Bay City. It's insane. It's amazing, right? Here's what I want to say or remind you of this morning. When Jesus ascended to heaven, he didn't retire. He got a promotion, right? He wasn't taking a vacation. He wasn't saying, hey, all right, I know it's rough down there, but peace out. I'm going to heaven. It's awesome. There's an all-you-can-eat buffet. There's a great chair I'm going to sit on. It's going to be so cozy and comfy. No, no, no. He gets a promotion. Now he's king over all universe creation. And now, listen, his presence is made available anytime, anywhere, any place. I want you to listen to how the writer of Hebrews puts it. This is Hebrews chapter 12. Notice what he says. He says, therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run, not walk, not stumble, not crawl, but run with perseverance. Run with perseverance, church. That's what he wants you to do. That's what he wants myself to do. Run with perseverance, not stay on the sidelines, but run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Fixing our eyes, while we're doing this, we're supposed to be looking, gazing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And here's what he does. Notice what he says. He sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, the ascension. He sits down and he takes his rightful place. There's no government, there's no ruler, there's no leader, there's no president that can take Jesus off of his throne. Isn't that good news for us today? It's amazing. Jesus' ascension, now we have access to him. His primary responsibility is leading, guiding, and helping who? Us, the church. That's right. Jesus' primary role right now is to assist, to help, to lead the church and this leads me to my second sort of big idea this morning. And it's this, is that what God started 2,000 years ago, or no, too early, what God started 2,000 years ago, listen, he continues today. You and I are on the other side of the cross. And because of that, it means this, that the church is of utmost importance. And why do I say that? Well, I say it because of this, and now you can put that point up. Jesus' church Jesus' church is the primary work of God in the world 
today. Right? Jesus' church is the primary work of God in the world today. I'm saying this because I want you to see how critical the church is to the work of God, to God moving and operating in our world today. Now, I'm going to just, what I'm about to say, many of you already know. It's like I'm preaching to the choir, essentially. But we live in a day and age, I don't know if you've noticed this, we live in a day and an age where so many people are disconnecting their spirituality from the local church. A lot of Christians are doing this, right? Partly because it's so easy to do it. But also the reason why people are doing it is because we live in the most individualistic culture ever to be. And the byproduct of that, the overflow of that ethos, that mentality, is this. People are saying, I don't need the church anymore. I'll just connect to God on my own. Now, you can. We just talked about that, did we not? The ascension. You, you, you can't access God anytime, anywhere, anyplace, in your bedroom, right, in a school, in a garage. It doesn't matter. You, you can do that. But, but let me just say this. That is not God's best for you. It's not. I'm going to boldly say this. That is not God's best for you. Why? Because his primary way of working and moving in the world is through his church. It's the primary way that God is moving and working in our world. And and what, what, what concerns me is that we have developed this sort of cavalier attitude of what what this is all about, right? We've got church hurt sort of at an all-time high. I've heard people say this over and over and over again. I tried that. It didn't work. I tried church. It didn't work out for me. I went there, and he hurt me. I went there, and she hurt me. He said that. I, I tried the church, and it didn't work out for me. I was abused. There are problems in that church. And, and let me just say, for the record, yes, there are problems within the church. There are problems in the church. That's right. There are mistakes that are made at times. Absolutely. The church is imperfect. Can I just tell you, listen, that I've been a part of a church, the church for a long time. Can I just tell you, I've been hurt by a church. Can I, can I just tell you, I know people personally who have been hurt by the church who are still here today they they wanted to give up on it they wanted to walk away and they did not they're still here they're worshiping with other people myself listen i have been hurt by the church but 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 let's not separate ourselves from the primary way that god is working and moving in the world today Let's not separate ourselves. I know that it's, it's cool. I know that it's, it's easier. It's, it's much easier. I understand that. I can just go on Facebook and search Radiant Church. I can go on YouTube. I can watch any famous preacher. Marco, there are so many preachers that are better than you. Well, hello. I know that already. Thank you, right? And you can find them at... You can instantly, it's like, I want to listen to that one guy from Georgia. Well, then go ahead, right? But you need a local gathering, a local shepherd, a local group of people that hold you accountable, that you walk with. You need more than Stephen Furtick, okay? I know he's got big muscles, but you need more than him. 
You need more than whoever it is that you watch or listen to. You need a local gathering, a place to be rooted in, a place where you can flourish. Come on, I'm preaching right now. Come on, somebody. Let me remind you this morning that Jesus has not given up on the church, and neither should we. Jesus hasn't given up on the church, and neither should we. Hear me when I say this. Why am I making this point? Why am I making this point? I want you to think about just for a moment. What does Jesus call the church? Jesus calls, I heard one person say it at least. Jesus calls the church his bride. You talk about my bride, I'm going to mess you up, all right? It's the same way with Jesus. He's madly in love with his bride. He doesn't call it the project. He doesn't call it the initiative. He doesn't call it the, the good idea that I had a little bit later down the road. He calls the church his bride. That's his bride. Isn't that amazing? And let me be clear. Listen, this morning, Jesus has not given up on his bride, and neither should we. He hasn't given up on her. I know she's made a lot of mistakes. I get that, right? And let me be clear this morning, because some of you may be thinking this. I, I, don't, I don't know, but you're thinking, oh, this is Pastor Marco's desperation plea because numbers are down, and attendance is not that good, and giving is down. No, 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 no. This is not my desperation plea plea or plea of desperation. Let me just tell you right now, attendance is okay. I, I, I think it could be higher, honestly, but it's, it's okay. It's pretty good. Honestly, among other churches, I think we're, we're doing really great. Can I just tell you, giving is super healthy financially. We're like a really healthy church financially. Can I just tell you that? Yeah, you can clap your hands, right? This is not my, my sort of desperate plea. Come to church. I need you. Right? I, 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 I'm saying this because I, I want this for you because I believe that the primary work of God in your own individual life will come through the church in your own individual life. So I want this for you. I believe that God, that's the way that God works in and through in your personal life, in your own marriage. When your marriage sucks, because every marriage sucks at one point or the other, let's just admit that, right? You can go to someone. You can pray with someone. You can be committed to it, right? And can I just say this for the record? Let me just be a little bit bold here. Let me just get up in your grill for just a second. Yeah, I'm going to come on. Can I just say there's no such thing as a relationship where you don't get hurt? Mmm, I'm going to hear that. Mmm. Can I just tell you, married folk, you know this. Come on, married folk in the house. Make some noise for me. Woo, woo. Let me just say this for the record. My wife is beautiful. I love her. Twelve years of glorious bliss. Every moment, every second, amazing. Amazing. But can I just tell you, reality, shock for some of you, my wife has hurt my feelings a few times. She has ticked me off. Like I'm saying, you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, right, spouses? Can I also say this? I've hurt my wife's feelings a few times. Said some things I shouldn't have said. We've had some arguments probably we shouldn't have had. There was tears. We fought. We're angry. And I still love her. She still loves me. Why? Because we forgave. 
with grace for one another. We're committed to each other and to God. There's no such thing as a relationship, of a valuable relationship where you don't get hurt. Can I just tell you, if Radiant Church hasn't hurt you, well, buckle up, because we probably will, right? (laughs) I'm not just saying that because I want to be mean or I want to be a jerk. I'm saying that because I'm a human. And look around. Look around. Just take a look real around. These are not androids. They're real people. They're not robots. So guess what? As real people, we screw things up quite often, actually. We screw it up, and guess what? And we, we, but we don't give up on one another. We forgive. There's grace. But there's gonna, something's going to happen. My small group didn't do this. Troy didn't give me the cinnamon roll like I wanted him to give it to me. Whatever it is, why don't they have a program for this? Why isn't Pastor Marco teaching on the end times? I want to know about the beast. What about the harlot in Revelation? Goodness gracious, right? Listen, okay? At some point, someone's going to let you down, fail you, make you mad, offend you, whatever it is. And you got to get over it. You got to forgive. You got to have grace for one another. This is why Paul says in Colossians, bearing with one another. Because sometimes you're going to make each other mad and you're going to rub each other the wrong way and you're going to tick each other off and you're going to roll your eyes at him or her or you're going to say something or whatever it is and you're going to have to choose grace. But if you're full of pride, if you're if you have this idea in your head that the church is supposed to be per- perfect, then the moment something that you don't like happens, you're, you're out of here. <clears throat> you're just gone. You don't do that in any other relationship in your life, though. But with the church, you do. That's ridiculous. That's craziness. The, the, the moment that my wife burns the toast, you, okay, we're done. I'm out of here. <laughs> I, that's it. That's it. I'm done with this marriage. This is crazy. You would never do that. I would never do that. Right? We need one another, right? We need one another. We need to be committed to one another. Jesus hasn't given up on his bride, and neither should we. And and my hope is that in this series, God, not me, but God, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, will reignite a fire in your heart for the local church, for the local church gathering. Yes, I believe in ministry outside the walls. Don't give me that speech. Of course I do, right? But you need the hub. You need the gathering of saints. You need a place where you can be loved and welcomed, where you can grow, where you can mature, where you can begin to use your gifts, where you can flourish, okay? You need that. This is not just my idea. This is what the scripture teaches about. And my prayer is that you will see the the church as the hope of the world because that's what it is. And I get it. The bride, she's got stains on her dress. She's messed up. She's fallen a few times. Leaders have let you down. You've been hurt. And I'm not here to downplay your hurt. Those things are very real. Hear hear me for just a moment. Those things are, are very real. But just because that one or two things happened doesn't mean that you need to cut off the entire church cut off all of your relationships. Perhaps it means that you need to own up to your own pride. Perhaps it means that you need to forgive. Perhaps it means that you need to have a conversation with someone. I know it's crazy, but I I know. Not text them, not be in a chat room, but have an actual conversation with someone to exercise humility, grace, forgiveness, love for one another. And so we're going to go ahead and get get ready to wrap this message up 
this morning. And I want to pray with you. And um, my prayer, my hope is that it'll be your prayer as well. My prayer this morning for you, for all of us, is that God, the Spirit of God, will place the same burden on our hearts for the church that Christ has on his heart for the church. My prayer for you this morning, I know that you just see it as a little bit of a, a cool idea. I can go to church once in a while. It's bigger than that. You have too small of you. My prayer is that, listen, you'll see, in this during this year, you'll see the magnificence, the beauty of the local gathering. Yes, of course, the wounds. Yes, of course, the mistakes that we make. Yes, of course, the blemishes. But you'll see the beauty that you won't be a consumer. Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Why can't they have this? But you'll come and say, instead of saying, why don't they have this? You'll ask the question, where can I put my hands to? Come on, somebody needs that this morning. You've been locked in consumerism because of Western society, and you need to come here with an attitude of where can I serve, not what people can do for me, but where can I help, Pastor Marco? Where can I get involved? Where can I get dirty? Where can I get messy? Where can I help minister? Where can I help bring the kingdom here in my city as it is in heaven? Not who can do what for me. Not what program do you have. Not can we have a better worship leader. Not can we have more better songs. Whatever it is. But where can I go to get my hands dirty? Let me just tell you right now, in love, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of a challenge, okay? I think this is the season, this is the time to be all in. This is it, you guys. I told you before, I thought, I believed, I still believe that 2020 was the accelerator, the great amplifier, that the birth pains are increasing. I think that's so true. This is the time to be all in. If you're not serving, start to serve. Start to, to be involved. If you're not giving, begin to give. Some of you are tipping God. That's nice. Thank you. But do something more. Be a regular, committed giver. That, did you know that there's a group of people here? It's a big group, but there's a group of people here who give a tenth of all that comes into their household to the kingdom of God here at Radiant Church. It's the reason why we can have all these beautiful lights and uh, the sound, James's keyboard, all that stuff. The computers in the back, the live stream that you love to enjoy. We're trying to make it better. Don't complain, right? But be a regular giver. And I know some of you are saying, well, I need to figure out my finances, Pastor Marco. But there's no verse that says I need to figure out my finances first and give. Scripture tells us to give first. And then watch how God will be faithful in your life. Watch his faithfulness in your life. Listen, if you're sitting on the sidelines, uh, can I just ask you to, to, to be committed? If, you, if you're at home, we love you. You're part of this family, but we also want to see you regular. We want to see you here, here in person. That's right. Make the drive. Some of you have been in lockdown for over two years. Let me just say this. As your pastor, I love you, but it's time to come out of hiding. It's time to come out and come and join with other believers. Come on, church. Let's, can we clap our hands for that, right? Come on. Yes and amen. Come on. No more hiding. hiding, right? If you think that the world is going to get better, it's not. Newsflash. If you think it's going to get easier, it's not. Newsflash. It's time for us to just to be all in. Let's pray together right now. Let's ask God to, to reignite that fire in our hearts. Lord, we love you, and um, we're so grateful for Acts and what we see Jesus doing here and the ascension and his presence made known to all of us, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you would just reignite a passion in our hearts for the local gathering. God, that you would reignite a fire in our hearts 
for you. God, for some of us, that means taking us back to 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I don't know what it is, but you know. God, I wish that I could do it, but I can't. So, God, we need you. God, I'm, I'm calling out to you. Holy Spirit, call people back. Holy Spirit, ignite the fire in our hearts. Oh, how I wish I could do it, but I can't do it. God, only you can. So, Spirit of God, move in our hearts right now. Move online right now. Stir it up in our hearts. Stir up passion in our hearts. God, call your flock back together. Call the local ecclesia back together. Those who are in hiding, those are who are in darkness. God, those who are prodigals, God, call them back to the local gathering. God, we're here. We're ready. We're ready to love on them. We're ready to embrace them. Call your people back to a passion for your church. God, if I could do it, I would. If I could do it, I wouldn't have heartbeat. But I can't. God, I'm only a man. So, Spirit of God, I'm asking you. I'm glad, begging you. I'm pleading with you. Would you pour your spirit out in our church? God, would you do something miraculous? God, don't let me die without seeing the miracles and wonders and signs of wonders in this church, in this house. God, don't let me pass without giving everything I have for the kingdom, for the gospel. God, pour your spirit out, God, on this church. We pray we want more of it, God. God, we want more of it, God. Embolden your church this morning, God. Set ablaze, God. Fire for your name, a passion for your name. Jesus, we need it. We need it, God. And we believe great things are ahead. We also believe the most challenging and trying times are ahead as well, God. So teach us not to, to give up, but to persevere in the local gathering. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Come on, church. Clap our hands this morning. Woo! Listen, uh, two things. Number one, if you need prayer, our prayer team is going to come up right now. We would love to join with you in faith, pray with you, whatever you're going through, good times, bad times, pain, um, sickness. We, we just want to come alongside of you. You should not have to do this alone. This is what the body is for, to encourage you to pray with you, and we want to encourage you. Number two, cider and donuts right outside. Hang out. It's getting sunny out right now as well. So hang out with us. And then this Wednesday night, three things, I lied. This Wednesday night, worship and prayer, 6.30 p.m. Be here. God bless you guys.